All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much, Lisa. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 112. I am Bag Milk here with Rick, Tyler Remchuk, and Nation Dan. We are here to break down the world of sports and specifically the Edmonton Oilers. As we always do, we start off the podcast with our Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. But first, I want to tell you about the winterization program out at Sherwood Ford. You need new tires, you need an oil change, you need a service, you need a new whip in general. Sherwood Park's the place to be. Head on out. See our friends at Sherwood Ford. And maybe, just maybe, Gus, the ambassador of Smiles, will be there. But make an appointment. He's got things to do. Tyler, please take it away with our Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. This one was talked about a little bit around Twitter and such this week. But I think it's a great question. And it's a fantastic Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. I don't think goals are going to be hard to come by on this Oilers team next season. But how many 20-goal scorers do you think the Oilers will half that's okay so i've got a question first yeah are we assuming like is this prorated over an 82 game season? yeah we'll do prorated over an 82 game season so if they play whatever 60 games they only need to score whatever that'd be like 14 or 15 you know but in a normal 82 year 82 game season how many 20 goal scorers would the oilers have and for the people that are playing at home uh last year we had three officially uh, in Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Oh, but of course, James Neal was at 19 and he was prorated to 20 because the league is a joke and all that. Uh, and Cassian was sitting at 15 with 59 games played. So he had another 20 games to get five goals. You got to think he would probably be there. And then the next highest was Josh Archibald at 12. So he probably wasn't going to hit that. So in theory, it could have been five last right. year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're guessing unless you're the NHL because we'll just award the Calgary Flames draft picks anyway. Um, gentlemen, who wants to start on this one? 
This is a tough one. I can hop I'll in. Go. Oh, Dan, you go first. No, I'll go first, Tyler. Back off. It's okay. my try. Yep. All right. So I have uh, Cahoon scoring 27 goals next mm-hmm. year. So he's there for sure. You got to think Drysdale is going to be good for at least 60 this year. Uh, McDavid, I'm going to say he's he'll he'll push 20 for sure. Uh, I don't know if Nuge will get there this year. Yeah, he'll get there. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm going to say a safe five, six, five. Six. six. I'm going to say five, six, six. What? Six it is. Okay. Six. Six. Yeah. six. Holy. So, so who's I your list, that, real quick? So I think Drysdale, O'Connor, Nuge. Cahoon, Annis, and Cassian. Wow. Okay. Okay. Who's I think next? six is a little ambitious. I um, like ambition. Four is probably we'll never the, die, Tyler. Four is probably the safe one because I think you can look at Nuge, McDavid, Drysaddle, and one of their running mate is going to get twenty as well. But I'll go one less than you, Dan. I'll say five. Um, I think it'll be obviously McDavid, Nuge, Dreisaitl. I think Kyler Yamamoto is going to score 20 next season, playing a full season in that top six. And then I'll go ahead and I'll just, I'll leave my last one as kind of a wild card. It could be Cahoon. Maybe it's Neil if he's playing a ton on the power play again. Maybe if he, it's even someone like Yesopulia Yarvi. But I think the locks are Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, McDavid, and Nuge. And there'll be one wild card mixed in there. Don't forget Ennis. So four and a half is the line? Is that what we're saying? I think four and a half would be the line if I had to set it, and I would take the over with five. Okay. Rick, what are you thinking? Well, I'll take the over there and just quickly run them off. It's going to be Connor Leon Nuge for three. Um, I do like Yamamoto getting in there. That's four. I can see Cahoon just kind of riding shotgun there. That's five. And uh, so I am going to go with six because, yeah, I am. I'm going to throw on. Pooley, I'm going to throw on Puliarvi here only for one reason though, because I think uh, just without if you just look at the player itself, I think that's the guy you want on your power play. I think that's the guy you want down in the uh, in the Latestu spot in the Chase on spot, uh, just because he shoots right. He I, I have him ahead of Neil. He's got that big body. I know. I, I last year I said uh, I'd like to see a Yam there. But everyone's like, no, you got to be a big body. So let's put uh, Yessa down there. So I think he's going to put him up. So let's go with six. I'm looking at the Oilers roster right now, and I would love six, but I've been hurt before. So I'm going to be pessimistic. I guess I'm going to be the low bar on this one and just say four. I've got Connor, Nuge, Leon. Those are locks. And then I'm going to put in James Neal. But we're not say throwing he no one's throwing in a defenseman here. Nah. No Barry, nah, no Bear, so. no nothing. I don't think Barry. I'm looking at Barry. 20. Barry's career high is 14. Barry's gonna have right now, so. Barry's gonna have assists galore. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't see him as a goal scorer. Well, he's, you know gonna, what, he's, he's gonna have to shoot right because when Connor's got the puck on the right wall, there they're kind of people are gonna are gonna like slide over to Connor. They're gonna be watching Leon. Um, if they want, if they expect uh, Barry to kind of play the the top and move it from side to side like Clefbaum does, they'll be looking at that pass, which is going to open up the shot. So I think he's going to get some goal. I could see him getting a career a career high, but I don't see him getting 20. So the best, uh, just for the purposes of the conversation, Tyson Berry, his best like goals per game, 14 or came in 2017-18 with the Avalanche, when he had 14 and 68 games, uh, finished with 57 points. But you know what? If he gets anywhere near that clip for the Oilers, I'll be very happy about it. Yeah, I that think I just think a lot happy. of I think a lot of Barry's shots are wrist shots that you can then redirect 
or they get they come off of a rebound and then you're putting that in the net kind of kind of play instead of he's not firing a cleft bomb or an Evan Bouchard shot kind of thing. A bush bomb. A bush bomb. A bush bomb. I actually want to talk about Bouchard a little bit later because uh, he and both Raphael Lavoie are having an excellent start to their season in the hockey Alvenskansk. Alvenskan. Alvenskan. Low Tide taught me how to say that one. (laughs) One more time, Tyler. Alvenskan. I like that. I like Uh. when you're Swedish, Tyler. Um, (laughs) If you have guesses to this, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you want to jump in on the Sherwood Ford Mm -hmm. Giant question, I want to know how many 20-goal scorers the Edmonton Oilers could have on their roster for the 2021 season. And as we said, use a full year as kind of your measure. Obviously, we're not going to get a full 82-game season, but that doesn't matter. It's November, and we're having a silly conversation on the podcast. So, you know, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. Looking at the defense, though, I don't think anybody thinks that there's going to be a 20-goal defenseman on the Oilers. No. Who will be the highest-scoring defenseman? Is it default that it's Tyson Berry? Yes. He's going to be well, playing a little bit default. minutes. He's going to get some 5-on-5, five five too, though. Yeah. I think, like, I imagine him is, uh... sending great passes to McDavid or Dreisaitl off the rush. Like, I am, I'm getting excited for the amount of two-on-ones Tyson Berry could spring with this Oilers forward group. Well, I'm really looking forward to... Connor's really good at picking spots to, to flee the zone early. Yeah. And I think, is that what you're kind of talking about? Because that's what I picture is Tyson Berry kind of behind the net, maybe walking up the wall a little bit and then bombing a pass down to Connor. He's yeah. going to bomb it to like an open area and Connor's going to know where to, like it's gonna, we're going to look like a quarterback and a wide receiver where a quarterback throws to a spot even before the wide receiver is cut to that area just because he knows that's where he's going. It, it's going to be really fun to watch those guys. Just even a scenario where, like you said, Big Nook, Barry's behind the net. He takes a couple of steps over to his strong side, and McDavid just times it perfectly where they connect, and the defense is flat-footed, and he's got to break away from the center line in kind of thing. I want to stick with the defense for a second here, boys, because this week, uh, early in the week, Ken Holland did an interview where he says that he's expecting to have to go the full season without Oscar Kleffbaum. Um, sucks, no doubt. Um, when you're looking at the defense with Clef Bomb out, obviously Tyson Berry is going to play a big part in filling that hole. But who do you think has to make the biggest step forward to kind of bridge the gap in this year without the Oilers? Because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who played the most minutes. He played in all three situations. And I'm curious who you guys think has to take the biggest step forward to ensure that the Oilers don't look like they did when Pistol Pete didn't feel like Andre Sakara was irreplaceable. I, I think a lot of people look at Barry as sort of the direct replacement for Clefbaum, and he does need to be good at 5-on-5 five five for the Oilers, but the right side of their blue line is pretty solid. Like, Barry won't have to, depending on what, what pairing he has, but he won't have to eat a lot of heavy 5-on-5 five five minutes because Bear can do that and Larson can do that. The big And there's pressure on this guy. It's Caleb Jones. This is a guy who took some strides forward last year, I think can be a competent top six defenseman, but the Oilers are probably going to need him to be a little bit more than that this year. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say that there's pressure on Caleb Jones to really take another significant step forward this season. It's so, going to be everybody on the left side because I don't think one guy can come up and, and take all the minutes. Um, I think it's going to get divvied up between all three of them. So, yeah, I mean, Nurse is going to have to, like, uh, fasten his game in. Bear, uh, uh, Jones is going to have to take a step up. And we're going to need to see Russ, the Russell we saw in the playoffs. Dan, who do you think? Who do you, which defenseman do you think is going to need to take the biggest step forward to make this work? Yeah, well, I think that I think that Tyler and Rick are both right. I think, I think that the reality is that 
each and every one of our defensemen on the left-hand side is going to have to take a, a a giant step forward in the sense that you're covering up for 25 minutes of a not even a, a giant, player, but, but they all have to take a you know a decent step. Nothing. Well, too it's crazy. a giant step in the sense that Darnell Nurse is now going to be playing 25 minutes a game, and and uh, and then you look down the list to like uh, Chris Russell is going to be playing 17, 16, 17 minutes a game again. Like it's just it's not a it's not 17. the ideal situation you wanted to be in, but you're you're gonna have to do it by committee, and I expect one of Bear or um, or uh, Jones to have a bit of a regression this year, and so I, I don't think we can necessarily count on all of them. That's why I've been hoping for and pushing for you know some more defensive depth to be able to take up that spot. But I think that it's going to be a, a replacement by committee kind of movement for the uh, for the entire team. So looking at uh, who you guys said specifically, Tyler brought up Caleb Jones. Last year in 43 games played, he averaged 14 minutes and eight seconds per night. And you would, I think it would be safe to say that those numbers will get bumped up this year. The interesting one, uh, Dan brought up Chris Russell. He averaged 16.47 last season. He's going to need to take a step forward this year because if you look at his fancies, his Corsi 4 was only 43.2%. And if you're a nerd guy that likes the shot metrics, that ain't good. Uh, the interesting one for me, and I'm going to agree that it's going to be Darnell Nurse. Last year, he averaged 23-27, and I think that's going to get closer to Clefbaum numbers. Now, the big the big question is, is that a good thing for Darnell Nurse? Because to me, having him play too much is a bad thing. He seems to be better in that sweet spot of like, 22 to 23 minutes. Well, if he plays so, 22 to 23, that leaves you with, what, 37 minutes? And you divide that, I can take 10, or, you know, you go 15, 16 for Jones, you go 12, 13 for uh, Russell, and then you're going to, the rest of that's going to be, um, well, hopefully, anyways, power play time. Yeah, like, I, I always assume that there's going to be 10 minutes of special teams time in a game. Either you're going to yeah. be shorthanded for six, or you're going to be on the power play for six, and then the reverse for four kind of thing. That's usually how penalties are divvied up yeah. in today's NHL. Um, so you have 50 minutes to kill on that left side. If, if nurse plays half of it at 25, 12 and a half, even strength minutes for Russell and Jones or some equation of that. I think you're, you're not asking too much. So I think you make a good Ooh. point bag milk. Like there is some pressure on Darnell nurse. And I mean, he, he's not in a contract year, but he's getting close to that point. This is a chance for him to prove that, Hey, I want seven, seven and a half million dollars on my next deal. Earn it this year. Well, if this is the time, if if he is going to make that kind of smoke on his next contract when this bridge deal is done, yeah, um, now's the time to show that he's worth it because the weather's going to be without their their sexiest defenseman. I mean, he defenseman. has he has to be uh, auditioning for Clefbaum's job, does he not? I, I think, think so. Yeah, right. Because I mean, let's face it: like this year is a write off for Clefbaum that gives him two more years at four point one six seven. Unknown to what his injury is going to be like this time next year, he may not. He, well, he what he, what we thought he may retire. You know, there's so many different yeah. options for him. We have no idea. This is Darnell Nurse's chance, and it's going to be a two year situation of, or maybe a year and a half, I guess, um, of auditioning for that number one spot. And I've made the case for this in an article. I've made the case on the podcast. I think there's a real chance the Oilers trade a left handed defenseman before the expansion draft, whether it's Jones, Nurse, or Clefbaum. And if Darnell Nurse doesn't really prove he's a legitimate top-pairing guy, he might be the odd man out in that situation, especially considering the fact that he's not too far from unrestricted free agency. The only thing that scares me is I can't remember who was on the radio the other day. They, um, they came on and said Broberg is like a 4-5-6. He's yeah. going to be a good 4-5-6. 
Now I took that with a grain of salt. Obviously, I wasn't too sure who was talking and what the context everything was. But they they said that whoever it was 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 guaranteeing you he was going to be a, a bottom level, uh, really good, but you know your bottom four type of defenseman. When it comes to the defensive situation uh, for the upcoming season, uh, which we're going to talk about next, Ken Holland said, I'm planning for 2021 that Oscar is not playing and anything other than that will be a surprise. A pleasant surprise, no doubt. Oh, I don't know, uh, yes, man. Can you, you're going to have to deal with a salary cap if he pops back exactly. at it. That's not going to be a Thousand pleasurable percent. thing. No, that one's scary. I uh, said, yes, we could always use one more defenseman, which touches on Dan's uh, point there, but we're fine right now. We've got Lagesson signed, we're going to get Ethan Bear signed, and we've also got Bouchard. I'm watching how Evan's playing in Europe, and he'll be back for training camp. As for Philip Broberg, he'll be staying with Skeleftia until the Swedish season is over. Our NHL season will go way beyond that, so he can come to Edmonton when the year is done. Makes sense. Again, it's kind of fun listening to Ken Holland speak, as opposed to Pistol Pete, where he just had little choppy sentences that never really went anywhere. It's nice to get some kind of information without really saying anything at all. Um, Looking at Bouchard over in Sweden, one more time, Tyler, all Svenskin. All Svenskin. (laughs) Uh, Bouchard in 17 games played, has four goals, nine assists for 13 points. There's a nice little clip there. And he is leading defenseman in shots on net, which I love to see. I love that this dude's a shooter. Shooter, shoot especially a big right-handed shot. Like he's got like, dad's got some muscle on that. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I respect it. Um, Lavoie, Raphael Lavoie. He's also having a good year over in Sweden in all Svenskan. Uh 13 games played. He's got eight goals and two assists for 10 points. Does it matter to you guys? But my question for you on both of these two, does it matter to you that they're doing it in Sweden's second top league? Or do you think this is still good experience for them anyway, playing with pros over in Sweden? Playing against pros, well, playing but, against men, I think that's important. I think, it, to me, I value that just as much as I'd value the American League. Well, and the reason for going to that that second league, correct me if I'm wrong, is if they went to the first league, they would be locked into that team until the end of the season. I think that mm-hmm. the SHL has, a, has protection for that, and so that's why they're down in the second league. But again, like Tyler said, it's it's men versus you know these are kids, and so there's still there's still that that edge that you give to the the grown men. Um, so the the fact that they're doing it is still special. Uh, Rick, what do you think about some success in the second tier league? Just sometimes it's nice to be the a bigger fish in a small pond too. No? Yeah, I mean they were guaranteed ice time going down there. There wasn't going to be a uh, situation where you're trying to play your your veterans or something like that ahead of them. So this is a place where they they were going to get guaranteed ice time. So they're getting the ice and they're making the most of it. It's uh, exactly what you want to see happening. Just like what I want to see happening is all four of us ordering some delicious dinner tonight from mm. skipthedishes.ca. Last night, I ordered Skip the Dishes. I was feeling lazy. I got a cheeseburger. It was delightful. I encourage you to do the same. If you can't cook and you're like me, but you need to eat, you need to be fed, and you need sustenance for your temple, I recommend going to skipthedishes.ca. Keep your driver well. They are putting themselves out there for you. Get yourself something to eat. Gentlemen, before we move on to the next segment, I just want to give you guys this. Uh, I, be, I believe it's a constructive criticism of the podcast. Uh, we've got a one-star review coming in with the title of Boring and Annoying. Well, I'm uh, definitely and the, the annoying one. The feedback is you just copy and paste what everyone is saying on the internet, and then you add crappy radio sound effects to it. <laughs> Again, I, so, I can't say that that's wrong. So specifically... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you so say about my buttons? 
<laughs> our uh, our hot and cold performers. That's we're we're stealing that from people. Like Rick has talked about some stuff. Tyler has ripped on stuff. some sports. Like I, I don't know. Sure, we're boring. Sorry, Tyler. One more boring and horrible radio sound effect, please. Um, that's my most. But you know what? I love it. I'm Let's, so angry. We don't play the whole song. Yeah, I think we need to include more sound effects. That's what this person's asking for. They want it to be exciting with more sound effects that are unique to just us. Yeah. So maybe after this show, we should record our own sound effects that mm-hmm. we can play over top of our voices. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. we, have, we should have our own. This way we can all press buttons at the same time. And yeah. It's a big, it's just mess of like, noise. Yeah. It's like the wall of commons. And we just yell at the same time. And then we all stop talking at the same time. <laughs> and then we all start talking at the same time. That was perfectly timed. Um, I just want to give you guys the yin to the yang on that one. Uh, this one is a five-star review. It just says beef and ched. Whenever I tell people that I love Arby's, they usually look at me like I'm I'm some kind of doofus. This podcast regularly reminds me that I'm not alone. A double beef and cheddar with curly fries and a Dr. Pepper is the perfect fast food meal. Support your local Arby's and hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You get a double beef and cheddar? Uh, apparently yes. A double beef and cheddar with curly fries and a Dr. Pepper is the perfect. Like I know they have the, the half pounder. And I know they had them in sizes. Like I've, I've I got this menu down at mm-hmm. boys. Okay, uh, I didn't I didn't see a double, but I'm going to look into this. Let me just say, as a person that came into the office, I hated Arby's to start with. Like I was <laughs> I was one of those haters of Arby's, and I'll fully admit it. Um, I've come around on it, but like really, at this time in our lives, do we really need to poo poo on people for liking something? Like if if Bag milk and this listener and Rick want to shove some, you know, some roast delicious, beef, some meat. cheese sauce liquidated with some cheese sauce down their gullets. Let them do it in peace. And you know what? If you're listening to this and you think I can't go out to Arby's today, or I can't order Arby's on Skip the Dishes for fear of my neighbors looking at my Arby's bag and being like, "What are those people eating?" I say, you know what? You do you. Order for Skip the Dishes. Rick, this is what I would do. I'm, I'm thinking about the double beef and cheddar now. I yep. would order two half-pound beef and cheddars on skipthedishes.ca, right? And then what I would do is I would take the top bun off one sandwich, yep. and then I would just stack them like a big oh, mac. Oh, come of on. Oh, buddy. I'll give I think I'm on something here, boys. That thing's going to be massive. Yeah, I'll give it a shot one day. Absolutely. Skipthedishes.ca. How's that for a plug? Love that one. Incorporating some listener reviews into that one as well. Fairly certain between yourself, me, and Jay Downton, we are the main reason why Arby's is on skip. I'm not going to say that we are the reason that Arby's is on skip, but we have to be a sizable portion of the reason that they are on skip. 9.4 rating last I looked. And of course, it's delicious. Um, I want to change gears a little bit. I want to look to Gary Bettman did a presser a little bit earlier in the week about giving us kind of our first look at what the next season may look like. Um, What I want to touch on specifically is where he talked about the hybrid bubble system where teams fly in and out for a little bit, and then they go back home for their family. So before we get started, Gary said, you'll play 10 to 12 days. You'll play a bunch of games without traveling. Then you'll go back home, go home for a week, be with your family. We'll have our testing protocols and other things you need. It's not going to be quite as effective as the bubble, but we think we can, if we go this route, minimize the risks 
to uh, the extent practical and that is practical and sensible. And so that's one of the things that we are looking about. It's kind of a little bit like what Major League Baseball did, right, Tyler? Yeah, kind of what Major League <laughs> Baseball did. And here's what I'm going to say, though. It, it's not going to be a situation where you go to Vegas for 12 days and you play the Flames and you play the Sharks and the Kings in Vegas. They're not going to do that. It's not going to work. I don't think... Like, I don't think there'll be bubbles. I think what's more realistic and what's probably going to end up happening, at least down in the States, is what we saw Pierre Lebrun report, which is you're going to get a situation where, let's say it's Chicago going to Minnesota, and they will play three games over the course of five days in Minnesota. And they'll play a little three-game series like they would in baseball, and then they'll travel back to Chicago. I don't think, like, there's issues, and Friedman has brought up the issue of naming rights on an arena. You know, our team's going to have to refund the naming rights on their arena, potentially, if there aren't games there being played and if it's not getting mentioned on the broadcasts. Your local broadcasts as well. You know, Sportsnet and whoever it is pays these teams X amount of money for the content, for their games to be played at a good time locally and all that stuff. I don't think you can suddenly go to your local TV deals and say, oh, hey, by the way, that game you you pay us to broadcast, it's going to now be in Vegas and it's going to start at 11 a.m. local time because we need to play three games in one day at the rink. Like the, the bubbles, I just think bubbles aren't happening next year. It's going to be go to each individual city. You might play series there so that you, know, you don't have to travel as much and the schedule is a little bit easier to pull off. But I don't see a scenario where there's bubbles of any kind for the regular season. So doing that, we're going to have like an NFL situation where you're going to be missing some guys, right? I think so. I think there'll be situations where guys are going to have to be put on the COVID list and have to quarantine so are we not, and all that. First of all, I would like to say we are leading the league right now because the best player in the world already had it. Therefore, he can't get it again. Mm-hmm. We got Connor the whole goddamn year. Uh, you absolutely can get it again. Yeah, I think... It, that, unfortunately, like, as, as awful as that is... The of it is what I'm told say, by medical yeah, people. Yeah, but, but, but it's still... It's, you're still dealing with it. And, and you can get the one that, that lasts for weeks instead of instead of days kind of thing. So it, nothing it, lasts for a week in Connor's body. He gets a little bio-steel in there, sits down, concentrates, and pushes it right on out. Yeah, Formula I, 97 goes in and it just... Evaporates right up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Tyler kind of hit it on the head, and I, and I think that another reason why it's not going to be the bubbles is because the PA doesn't want bubbles. The PA it went through the playoffs um, with kind of an understanding of how things were going to go, and it didn't go that way. Uh, by all reports, both Edmonton and Toronto's bubbles were, you know, lackluster in their ability to entertain and give these players hey rick you can be upset about it all you want the players didn't like it some players didn't like it and and you understand it from a standpoint of they why why should they have to go out of their way to stop to suffer so that the league can so that the league can prosper and the team they're also can making Paycheck. millions of dollars Paycheck. agreed but they didn't get a penny in the playoffs right you don't play for a penny you don't get nothing right. That's now you're point. playing for now you're playing for money. Now you're going to have to do this stuff if you want your if you want your paycheck. That's, why, that's what, absolutely my point though is that they did all that without getting paid a penny, and now they're on the, in the position of we don't have to play the season if we don't want to. So we're going to do it if, our if way. Joe Blow doesn't is, want if Joe Blow doesn't want to play because he doesn't like the uh, the bubbles. That's fine. Stay home. You it's, you not, it's just not going to happen. You know what? Look, not, look, be, uh, look at your team. Be a oh, sorry, guys, it's not not a thing for me. But otherwise, if you get too much mixing around, you can screw up the whole damn league. 
just to be a devil's advocate, though, you could also be an owner and say, why would I pay these guys salaries if I'm not getting any ticket revenue? Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I mean, the owners are probably going to, yeah, you'd have 29 other owners probably calling you really quickly, but. I just will say to to Gary Brett, uh, in the interview, Gary Bettman does say, admittedly, he would never ask the players to do a long-term bubble situation again because it was too difficult. And that's fair. And that's fair. Like, if you look at uh, the teams that made it to the end, yeah, they were in there a long time, though they did have some family get or were well, allowed to sneak in at one point. Legit, right? Yeah, Just exactly. a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. You know, they got a little taste of what they were looking for, though. Um, so, yeah, I do think that the smaller bubbles, the shorter bubbles, I think is the best for the league in, uh, in terms of give and take on both sides of things. And overall, protecting the, the league on its own because it spreads too fast. We know what that happened to that point. So. Well, and it's a and it's a marketing dream for the league because they can they can turn it into you know basically playoff marketing where where you've got the Canadians and the Habs are playing each other and it you know these three games could mean the end of their season kind of thing. Like Did you say, the Canadians and the Habs. I love the, the Canadians, Canadians and, and the Leafs. The Leafs and the Habs. All the fans are done. Damn, intra squad play themselves. Yeah, um, but yeah, like you know, the Leafs are playing the the Canadians on Friday, Saturday, and Monday night. Like, and that's, that's and that's bad. something for you to tune in. That would be perfect for them. Um, obviously, in Canada, maybe it's a little bit different down in the states. I would be interested to see what the breakdown of the divisions will be if they do a Canadian division. But I think that it, if you do the baseball style schedule, it's just fine. It'll it'll be fun to watch and. And entertaining nonetheless. So Pierre Lebrun's tweet, he says, more on the governor's call, but the potential for a Canadian division and three U.S. divisions. Also the idea of teams playing two, three games in a row versus the same team to limit travel and exposure. All that makes sense. So we're like a baseball-style schedule. But again, nothing written in stone, just ideas right now. Personally, I love the games. How many games do they think we're playing? So I was looking at uh, the score actually did a couple of mock-ups of some different divisional kind of ideas. And it seems like everybody will play each other. It reminds me of the old Northwest Division days when everybody eight. would play each other eight times. That's but then 48 games. To work the math out, you know, if they go 50, then maybe you play Calgary twice or another time after that or something like that. It doesn't really matter to me. I, do, I, I really like the idea of the two, three games in a row, though. I think that's really like part of the fun of the playoffs is watching teams build hatred as the series progresses. And I think that would be a lot of fun, especially if they're doing something like an all-Canadian division. Yeah, that'll be uh, the animosity level will be relatively high to begin, and it will only elevate with every three game series. And then having to do that, you know, four times or three times or whatever the hell it is, it's going to get uh, by the end of the year, <laughs> these guys are going to hate each other. And you're exactly. right, it's it's going to feel like playoffs in the in the in the fact that you know they just keep playing each other, keep playing each other, keep playing each other, and they're going to hate. It's going to be fantastic. But I'm telling you. This is going to hurt our insides watching Absolutely. It's because the stress is going to be real. I, oh. I think like even just the perspective of the standings, right? Like you go into a situation where Edmonton is four points back of the Winnipeg Jets and they have six games to go and they're going to play the Flames three times and then the Jets three <laughs> times. Like the pressure you're going to have going into these three game series is going to be crazy. The other thing it's going to do that's interesting is how, and Dan, I think you were the one who might have pointed this out on Twitter, how will teams handle their goaltending and their lineups and things like that? Like, that side of it's going to be interesting as well. There's going to be more strategy. Well, and another element, too, is the luck element that we all see through the season. You know, 
Tampa Bay rolls through town and Steven Stamkos is out for two weeks. Oh, we dodged a bullet with Steven Stamkos being out. You know, the, the, we get into that situation and God forbid, Leon Dreisaitl goes on COVID. No, no, pick another team. Watch your, well, you watch your, mean, watch like, your language. Line A's hurt. Okay, line A is out <laughs> with, you know, with a cold for the next two weeks. And, and the Oilers get a line A or a Hellebuck, you know, a Hellebuck yeah. list. Yeah, Winnipeg Jets team. All of a sudden, that fixes you know that fixes it for Edmonton. So there's going to be an element of luck that's just going to come into it, which is like it's sick to think that you could be happy that Hellebuck yeah. contracted COVID. But you're going in into three game series your and you're like, dang, all right. It's same thing with injuries, right? <laughs> yeah. You never want to see players get hurt. But no. then when the Penguins roll into town and Crosby's out for two weeks, you're kind of like, the that, that timing but worked out okay but that's, for us. But that's a two-point <laughs> swing, possibly, yeah, as opposed a to six. a seven-point or eight-point swing if Oof. you're playing that team four times in a row. So well, it's, it, there's there's an element of, of luck a, that's going to come in. Wouldn't a three-game series, so like when you play like Calgary, they, we call those four-point games, right? Because you, if you're yeah, tied yeah. with them, you're either going to be up to or down to. So then a three-game series could technically be a 12-point swing. Oh, Dude, can you imagine what the standings are going to look like? It's going to be great. Be like fun. the thing that the well, pressure is, well, you'd be you last another... place a one day and give it ten days later, you're in first. Yeah. The the other thing is just going to be the pressure is going to be from game one. There's no like, you know how when you go through October, you're kind of like the October record doesn't really mean anything, <laughs> but now it will from game one, well, especially in a condensed season, especially if they're doing series where it's two, three, four games against the same team in a row. Like there's no time to just ease into it. And there will be times, I would assume, and this is just from watching baseball and watching NFL happen, that you're going to see teams will have to take two weeks off or a week off of their schedule and the, the adjustments and the scrambling that they're going to have to do after that. And then your standings are going to be all thrown off. You know, the, the Flames have played eight less games than another team. Like the NFL only did weird. that. The NFL only had that happen once, right? Like yeah. one little, maybe Tons. between two weeks, it kind of worked out. It's kind of funky. Baseball had it for a short little while. Baseball looked really bad at the beginning. Yeah, and baseball looked like it was going to shut down again. They were like days away from shutting down. But this again. is where this is where the players have to take it upon yeah. themselves to make yep. sure when they're away, they do not they're not taking any ch- any unnecessary chances that is going to affect everything. I think so I, with with the Canadian division, with the chance that you're playing three game series, we don't know how long the regular season is going to be. Like no one knows what next season is going to look like. But I think everyone is recognizing that it's going to be a a ton of fun. And B, next season's just going to be absolutely chaotic. It's going to be massive. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be well, a ton exactly. of and You look at the playoff this year, right? And we had a bunch of question marks around that. And that was crazy enough. This is going to be bonkers when it comes down to it. It'll have it'll have an asterisk next to it, but I don't think it'll be a negative asterisk. I think it'll is be anybody like else, a, an exciting Is anybody test. else angry, though, like me, that the NBA is going to tip off before we drop the damn no. puck on game one why does it fucking no, the masters is I, yeah. on right now before we drop the puck god damn no, it that, that doesn't count that doesn't count. <laughs> i i know what but you're they, saying they handed right? out the larry o'brien after the nhl we they handed out the lakers won after the stanley cup was handed well, out and they're gonna get back into it before we may not even start january 1st that's still like a massive question mark but i mean like the, at the same point the wnba started the exact same time their whole season played out before the nba finished their playoffs so it's like it's just uh you know, it, it it's kind of like I understand where you're where you are, and and I was there. I think like a month ago, where I was just kind of like, ah, oh, it's just a miss. But it doesn't make me mad as much as it. I want them to just be able to do it right. And I think that you know the the reality with COVID and everything is that everything just fluctuates. And it's but the just, only reason we're there is because fluid. nobody had nobody had, nobody made a tough decision six weeks ago. 
they just kept pushing that tough. De- you're going to have to make the tough decision sooner or later. You I, might as well make it sooner and just get on with things because they do not want to run this into next. They do not want this to affect 21-22. And if you're playing into into July next year, like they've said, there's there's a a, a date in July where they don't want to have the, the cup out later than that. Uh, yeah, I just I think we're missing out. They just missed out on a chance to get this thing going. Like I I don't see the point of sitting around and waiting. Like nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to but change. Also, but also, they've so far only officially changed from December the 1st to January the 1st. So if they are able to get training camp started by January the 1st, then they're, what, a week behind the NBA? I'm not that upset. No, if the, NBA wants, if we're talking about the, the NBA wants to tip off on December 22. Yeah, you said if we said January 1 for training camp, that's not that's like fine. January, that's that's like January 20th for game one then. Now we're I think they would do. Uh, I think they would do a compressed... All that stuff would be compressed. Oh, yeah. like, I would I'm love, talking like a week. But if you're, Detro- if you're yeah. Detroit, if you're not. Ottawa, are you going to accept a, a, a compressed fucking um, uh, training camp? Those That's guys fair. haven't played in a god dang year. Also, fuck yeah, but they're allowed to train now, year. right? They're allowed to practice and train now together. In the That's small true. little things, like we have out here, a couple of guys going. But I mean, Sam's out here. He ain't in Detroit skating around with, you know, whoever out there he wants to play, he's going to be playing with. To cap this off, I'll just uh, Elliot Friedman did a hit on what he thinks he's heard or what he thinks this will look like based on what he's heard, and I'll just we'll wrap this up and I'll give everybody a last word on it after Friedman. He says, I think there are a couple of things here, and I do think the NHL is going to try for January first. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. It might be too ambitious, but I think they're going to try and do it. I've had some people reach out and give me nuggets about what they're hearing, and one of those things is that they looked at what happened in baseball. Baseball's way was you start, you get going, and you adjust on the fly. You deal with what you have to deal with. And I think there's concern that if hockey starts too late and COVID interrupts the schedule, as we all assume it will at some point, the less time and runway you give yourself and the more risk your season is of not finishing. I think that the league and the players both understand that. I think the players are getting anxious and they want to play. There's one of the big issues that still needs to get sorted out, but I think they're going to want to start as early as possible because it gives you more runway to deal with speed bumps that speed bumps that may arise. It also allows them to plan their season with a couple of weeks at the back end where they can make up games if they need to, or if they don't need them, they can just start the playoffs and get going. Well, I'm adding that. I'm adding those arguments. I'm throwing it in my uh, my little quiver here because I'm going to add that to my argument whenever I decide to debate anybody outside of this. Because I think that's a great. I think that's a, that's a, that's that's very smart. Like that's very true. If we the longer we take, uh, the less room there is for error. And if there is going to be a little hiccup there, you don't have a lot of a lot of uh, time to play with. You really don't. There's, uh, and there's you got to make be... hard decisions, man. Just make them. It just rip that bandaid off. Don't pull it off slowly. But that might it. not be the smart decision. Like, I think you need to be, you can't just sit there and go, well, it's whatever, November 13th. We better just decide today. What do you guys want to do? Let's do it. Vote no, no, on no, it. Cool. Let's I go. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean, right. I don't want anything rushed. So My it, it needed glitching. to be started. It needed to be started way a long time ago, but you needed to like, just make the, the, the tough decisions at that point. I don't want anything to get rushed. I don't want anything like that, but have your talks and, and move along and figure it out. I guarantee you, there's 60% of this is already, you know, jotted down and they've already got this discussed and figured out and they, they're just trying to put the rest of it together. The reality is for like a team or a league like MLB, uh, Bank Milk, we can't hear you now. You're good now. Um, good. But yep, the MLB, um, it was like, it, it was the, it was very ham-fisted to start. I think they were a cold performer of both Tyler's and I at one point because they were at the we very thought that they were going to... They were at the very beginning of this whole COVID thing too, right? So they were, uh, but, they were almost the... Uh, 
the, the, the they were the canary in the coal mine. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but what it took was uh, an outbreak in a couple of teams for them to be like, oh boy, this is for real. And but the the different situation with what they did versus what hockey is talking about doing is that uh, they had players staying in the stadiums at their home at their home stadium. Like they were, they were not going out into public and, and, and introducing there. And I don't think you're going to have that with the NHL players. I, I don't assume that they'll be staying at the Marriott when they're playing at home in Edmonton. They'll want to be home with their family. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, like one, the good news for me is that once we started getting news about return to play in the summer, everything just seemed to roll along very quickly. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just happy that the NHL and the players are actually talking about details. So to me, we're as we're recording this is November thirteenth, and let's just get this going. Let's get these people on the phone every day, all day, until. Hey Jen, so in July, all the Yankees were staying in the like with the games that were in New York. They were all like living in a, in a uh, hotel or something. I wanted to do more research on it, but yes, I, I saw like the Boston Red Sox had like their suites uh, were filled, like were made into to bedrooms or hotel rooms for two players at a piece each. They so stayed they, so in, the, they really? stayed inside. No, that's way. what I know. That's the way I understand it is that they were, and maybe that was just for training camp, but I thought that that was the case for all of the teams. I think we would have heard, heard, <laughs> heard a lot. I heard a lot. If you know anything about players sleeping at Fenway park, hit us up on our <laughs> socials. Owen radio podcast on Twitter. All right. I'm going to get it. You, you, can get out, the next you, can, segment. you can get inside the green monster, man. You, you put your hand. <laughs> like, I want my room in the green monster. Well, we already know there's a bathroom in there because Manny made that famous. So, <laughs> like the so theme, Manny rooms, being Manny. theme rooms at West Edmonton Mall. <laughs> <laughs> players are sleeping on fire trucks. <laughs> All right, we're doing a little bit of a different kind of pop. Did, did I freeze again? Am I a, glitching? Slightly, yeah, but not that bad. All right. All, so we're I just a found a video. Of- I just found a video of Michael Chavez, yeah. who was showing off one of the suites. But as, it was just as it was a locker room for him and. Yeah, uh, for Dugo. When, for Dugo. Yeah, when, they weren't. Was it like they a locker room, or were they staying at Fenway? Park? They weren't staying there. It, I don't know. I don't know. I like Why would the they idea have no way? <laughs> I like the idea of all these dudes having sleepovers at Fenway. <laughs> I assumed that that's what that was. I misunderstood. I guess he hey, really Jen. dropped the ball not going to Toronto. Then at least they have a hotel attached there. Yeah, no kidding. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> feel free to shame Dan on social media. He likes it. Uh, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a different layout for today's podcast. We've got a very special guest, Kelsey Mitchell, coming up at the end of the podcast. We do an interview with her to talk about the 2021 Olympics. Tyler and Dan, we were all part of it. The meteoric rise for Kelsey as she went from not owning a bike to being a world record holder to now representing Canada at the 2021 oh. Olympics, provided that they continue, is pretty amazing. And this Huge interview, shout out to Cornerstone. Yes. Uh, for Cornerstone to have brought her together with us yeah. because it, you're right, Bag Milk. That was an interesting story. It's like a, it's one of those listens that you're gonna you're gonna be like, who's Kelsey Mitchell? But by the end of it, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm googling more of this girl because yeah. so I need say, to know this story. So you're saying you can become an Olympian in only two years of practicing? It was provided that you is unbelievable. Oh, there's that prerequisite. Okay, my bad. Because just to give you a teaser, Rick, she went to Tyler. What was it called again? The RBC training ground. Which is basically like, from my understanding, was basically she showed up to see if she was going to be good at any of these sports, and she was very good at the end. <laughs> well, I know I rode bikes there with uh, Kuhn and, and Jay Downton last year for a little yep. uh, mini triathlon thing, 
And uh, I think it was a 10K. Yeah, I think it was four times around Horlock Park. And it was absolutely horrible. So good for her because it's an excruciating sport. You only did 2K. I'm just going to say it right now. No, the, the, you, you, no, the you guys ran yeah, one the, loop around, remember? No, we ran, but we rode our bike four times. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I can, Sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about the running. No, no. And the, by the way, the running was more of a uh, a walk for me. Like, once I got around that first corner. No, because, no, you did good. You did good. I mean, oh, nobody buddy. can keep up with Coombe, who runs marathons for jokes. I had but, Jay uh, behind me for first a little bit there, and then he decided to turn it on a bit. So, I was, yeah, I, uh, that, was, that was a long day, boys. That was tough. Well, the thing about participating with Jay with anything is he gets incredibly competitive very quickly. So um, maybe we should line up a bike race between him and he and Kelsey Mitchell, which he would get absolutely dominated in. Well, he's training on his Peloton now, so maybe he's got a little bit of an opportunity here. Maybe. Maybe we'll have to organize <laughs> that. We'll have to check in with Kelsey afterwards to see if she'd be down to show Jay Downton a little bit of humility on a bicycle, despite his... Uh, Thriving on the Peloton, as you would learn on the Real Life Podcast, recorded Monday and Thursday. Uh, Tyler, it is time to get your buttons ready. We are going to do, do the Codago Tequila Hot and Cold Performance of the Week. I love tequila more than anything on earth. Tea time. And the fact that tea time waits for no man, my friends. And the fact that Codago is here to help us out with the podcast is incredible. Their tequila is delicious. If you have a chance, the Rosa, it is not a shooting tequila. Tyler. Okay. Sipping. This is a sipping, maybe put it on ice. Well, hold on, hold. That's like a suggestion, by the way. That is a suggestion, yeah. Okay, like you if you you know you get a little antsy, just fire it back. I always suggest just throw the first one back. You can sip on the second one. Get that first one down you though. Although Rick did teach me one of the greatest tequila hacks of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was to take a little chaser of clamato juice, which just kills it. Huh. And it was amazing. I didn't believe him at first, but it does. It works fantastically. So, yeah, no, uh, it, it, it absolutely kills it. You can also do uh, try an orange slice with a little bit of cinnamon on it, if you like. Oh, that's nice. That's healthy. Basically healthy. Uh, right. So go to Codigo1530.com. They've got a store locator located right there on the website, right at the top of the page. Get yourself some tequila because tea time waits for no man. That's not their slogan, but I'm making it up. Ooh, they got cocktail <laughs> recipes on here, too. I love me a cocktail, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I love me a cocktail. All right, boys, as we start, as we do every week, we start off with our veggies, with our cold performance of the week. And I'm looking at Nation Dan because he is at the top of my screen right now. Mr. Nation Dan, your code to go cold performer of the week. Uh, it's it's going to go out to the year 2020, but specifically more just the loss of Alex Trebek this week yep, uh, for a guy that, uh, you know, for a lot of people, we grew up with him at our dinner table kind of thing. Um listening to, you know, I, I have all kinds of useless trivia facts that would serve me well on Jeopardy, but not much elsewhere. Uh, but hearing the stories uh, coming out this week again, you know, from another person that we lose, uh, it's tough to watch. But, uh, yeah, 2020, my cold performer of the week. Uh, Tyler, you are up next on my screen. You're a code to go cold performer of the week. And you I... didn't include a bad music bite. <laughs> no, no, I did not have a bad music, but I wanted to, I should have gotten the Jeopardy sound. That would have been a good way to uh, pay tribute to Alex Trebek, but uh, my bad. Uh, my cold performer of the week, I'm a big golf fan. I like watching golf. I'm fired up about the Masters, but there's one golfer I don't like, and his name is Bryson DeChambeau. 
And this guy <laughs> talked all this stuff about how he – oh, Augusta for him? That's a par 67. I'm just – oh, and everyone's like, oh, Bryson DeChambeau might tear apart Augusta. What's going to happen if he ruins Augusta? Bryson DeChambeau at the time of us recording this is three over par on the day, one over on the tournament, and he might miss the cut. Bryson DeChambeau, it brings me great <laughs> joy to name you my cold performer of the week because Bryson DeChambeau – Y'all stink. You stink. <laughs> So is it? What is it specifically about him that's bothering you right now? Is it the arrogance of thinking that he could just do yeah. what he wishes with Augusta? Yeah, and I don't like his hat. <laughs> <laughs> I I respect that. If a guy's got a shitty hat, that's no good. Rick, your code to go cold performer of the week. Well, I'm going to stick away from the uh, the year 2020 stuff because that hurts enough. So I'm going to go with something with the Oilers here and say I'm just I'm there's no nuge contract mm. I don't like it let's just get it done let's get it done let's get it sealed taken care of and get it out of the way let's let's just get her done I don't like it sitting out there like this mm-hmm. let's get it signed please what the hell is going on I agree keep news forever everybody knows it I would also add I have no concerns about it but I would also add let's get Ethan Bears done as well yeah yeah uh my cold performer of the week for Coda go this week is going to be just the hilarious approach I think that the NHL is taking with their reverse retro jersey reveal. I had that on the list of topics for us, but we we spoke a little bit longer about hubs than I thought we would. But I just find it funny where they're doing the thing that brands do all the time when they're a little bit too cute, where they're just showing a little snippet and it's coming up and they're like, Ten o'clock, we're gonna we're gonna rub your jeans in the loin area a little bit and show you what these new jerseys are gonna Ooh. look at. And I uh it bothers me. I just want to see the full jersey. I want to see what my Nuge reverse retro jersey will look like once he gets his extension. Just give us the whole jersey, NHL. Cold performance. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. Thank you. It is a joke. I agree. Flipping the ledger, we are looking at the bright sides from our past seven days in our lives. Again, reverse order here. Rick is at the bottom of my screen. I'm starting with you. Your Kodigo hot performer of the week. Well, this one just changed actually in the last five minutes when we were talking about uh, your interview there and uh, what she does. Brought something up from this weekend and uh, the gentleman's name is Chris Nietzsche, I believe, and he is uh, a young man with Down syndrome who completed an Ironman race. I saw that. An Iron, like I'm, so I brought up how we did the triathlon, it was a mini triathlon, like a really, really, really mini triathlon and it was horrendous. Okay, it sucked. And this young man with Down syndrome, that's not enough to hold him back. But now he takes on a Ironman race and completes it. And I don't care how long it took. I think it took him like uh, 16 hours and 46 minutes and nine seconds. Dude, that would take me 16 days. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, Chris, well done. That is incredible. So, just if you here, don't here. know. There it is. Just if you don't know, an Ironman, uh, just according to Google, is a 2.5 or 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bicycle ride, and a 26.22 mile run. That is shocking. Okay, so I take it 21 days it would take for me. Okay, 16 was a little bit. Uh, I was getting a little ahead of myself here. Let's call it 21. It's going to take me three weeks to get this done. That would take me a calendar year. <laughs> uh. Tyler, you're up next. Your Kodago Hot Performer of the Week. Yeah, some, um, my Hot Performer of the Week is going to be some welcome good news and great news, historic news from the world of baseball. 
Uh, the hiring of the Miami Marlins GM is not something we really yep. expected to be groundbreaking news, but it was. They hired Kim Ng to be their next GM. She is now not only the highest-ranking female executive in baseball, out of the four major North American sports, she's the first female GM in any of them. And to anyone yep. who wants to sit there and go, this is just, you know, a quote-unquote token hiring is what some people were saying, or this was done Ridiculous. just to look good, go read this girl's resume, man, because she she might be the most overqualified first-time GM in sports history. Three World Series rings, eight postseason appearances as an executive. She was an assistant GM with the Yankees, assistant GM with the Dodgers, and spent a decade working with the commissioner. Kim Ng, you finally got your GM job. You are my hot performer of the week. Cash money. It's pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome story. Like, I didn't know too, too much about her before I saw the announcement this morning. And then, like you said, Tyler, you read the resume. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Uh, Mr. Nation, Dan, your Kodago hot performer of the week. Uh, well, yeah, echoing what Tyler said uh, about Kim Ng and, and that movement. Uh, I'm also going to make another one. I don't usually go political, but uh, the nomination of the vice president-elect of Kamala Harris this week uh, the 91st vice president and no, sorry, not 91st. She's math. Um, anyways, the first, uh, person of color elected as a vice president, the first female elected as a vice president, just amazing to see, um, you know, the shift in, in our lives, in our lifetime, um, that has put some people that, you know, are pretty fantastic into important roles in this world. And so, yeah, my hot before of the week is Kamala Harris. Put some respect on my name. I'm really embarrassed about what I'm going to say next. <laughs> you guys have all had excellent hot performers of the week, and mine is so embarrassing. Oh. I wrote down, I'm going to actually, you know what? I'm going to flip my camera around, and I'm going to show you guys what I wrote down for my hot performer of the week. <laughs> Green has screenshot this. We need this. It is our, uh... shockingly bad uh, compared to what you guys were just saying. Um, I wrote... Me for showering three days in a row. <laughs> so that is the hot performance well week by Kodago. Uh, I'm giving that to me because I've showered <laughs> now three days in a row for the first time probably since COVID struck. So <laughs> that is embarrassing. And I wish I went first on that <laughs> one. I like that. Because you guys had so much better answers than I did. And that's upsetting for me. And I understand now why we got a one-star review for boring internet. So hey, that was not ripped off the internet though. That was straight up from you. That was from your soul. That one that you you own that one. That's fine. Yeah, the fact that I wrote it down makes it so much worse. Uh, you typed that. Yep. Yep, I did. So thanks, Kodigo. Thanks for jumping aboard. I appreciate you, and I love your tequila. And thank you very much for being a sponsor of the podcast. We love you. Um, Tyler, yep. what do we got next to we got, close out this podcast? We got an interview with uh, Kelsey Mitchell, so that'll be coming up just after this. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Very excited to be joined by a very special guest this week on the podcast, Kelsey Mitchell. She is a Canadian Olympic cyclist. And uh, before we bring in Kelsey, just want to let you know that this is brought to you by Cornerstone Insurance Brokers. Check them out online at cornerstoneins.ca. 
Solid protection, sound advice. That's our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. We're now joined on Oilers Nation Radio by Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I am great. And uh, for those listening, this is our second attempt at the interview because I forgot to unmute everyone's mics. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, middle of the pandemic, it's been tough for everyone. But for you as an athlete, like that must be like, what's it been like waiting on the Tokyo Games? No one knew what was happening there. They've been pushed. Like, what's the last six months been like for you training wise? uh just training yeah we were supposed to the olympics back in july and that was postponed and so just have been training away not really any racing going on um but yeah really fine-tuning uh everything on the bike in the gym just getting stronger and better all around as an athlete so it's been a blessing in disguise i'd say just having this extra year to train how's it affected uh how's it affected the routine just in general like what you're working on as opposed to like you said there's no races to kind of get some tune-ups in yeah my uh 2019 year was pretty crazy with racing and so um just had this year to train and not have to stress about racing and catching or like getting those points to qualify for the olympics so now we know we're locked in we're going to the olympics hopefully they happen in 2021 and um just focusing on um all the things I kind of missed because I just joined the sport a little bit late. So just playing catch up. Well, so has that been an advantage for you? Do you think like, like I'm sure for some athletes it's, you know, they go through the four year cycle of there's a nice little pun there, but they go through the four little uh, or the four year cycle of planning and preparing, ramping it up to get to the, the peak of performance at the Olympics. You know, for you, you know, it sounds like you, you've taken that as a positive to kind of have another year to just be able to get to that absolute top level. Yeah, for sure. I uh, started full-time in cycling early 2018 um, is when I fully committed. And so uh, I, my goal was to qualify for the Olympics. Um, and it was just go, 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 catch up to these girls, like learn this new sport and try and figure out how to get the points and qualify for the Olympics. and it was just, yeah, it's only two years. And so I was able to take a breath and a step back and just see, like appreciate how far I've come over the two years. And now, um, you know, my goal was to go to the Olympics and now the goal is to podium at the Olympics. So it's just, that's the bar even higher, I guess. The story is absolutely fascinating. Like you mentioned, you didn't start until 2018. How did you, like, how did that process work? How did you get into this sport and then get to such a high level so quickly and so late in your athletic career? Yeah, I was an athlete my entire life, played a variety of sports. Uh, I, soccer was my main one, but just I loved being active, doing anything, pushing my body. Um, and so played university soccer at U of A and at Nate in Edmonton. Um, oh. That was done. Yeah, <laughs> that was done and just was kind of lost, didn't know what to do after sports. And then found out about uh, RBC Training Grounds, which is an Olympic combine, basically, where they test um, an athlete's speed, power, endurance, and strength. And then national sport organizations can reach out and um, do additional testing on you. And the first event that I did was a vertical jump. And right after that, a Cycling Canada representative came and said, you have really good leg power, let's get you on a bike. And then they just kind of pursued me. And yeah. Okay, t- <laughs> have, you taken, have you taken time? Do you even have time to appreciate the fact that Two years ago, if my math is correct, two years ago you went to this to the RBC event, and now you're going to be going to the Olympics. Like, have you taken time to appreciate that, or is that something down the line that you'll think about later? Uh, yeah. I mean, I appreciate 
everything that has come, like, it's such a blessing. This is exactly what I wanted in life. I wanted to be an athlete, and I get to, like, that's my job, essentially. And I didn't think it was possible. Once I finished university soccer, I thought I'd have to, you know, get a nine-to-five job. And so this is exactly what I wanted. And every day, I, if the training's hard, I just remind myself, like, what else would I rather be doing? You know, like, I did driving a truck for eight hours a day. I did the 12-hour night shifts. I've done all that stuff. So anytime that I'm on the track and I feel like puking after an effort, I'm like, okay, well, where else would I rather be? They, the RBC training ground thing, that I want to talk about that more because for someone who's never heard about that until now, so you showed up at this thing. Did you have like a general idea like, oh, I'd like to get into cycling or like I hope I do this or I hope I'm picked by or picked up by this kind of crew? Like what was your mindset going into that? Yeah, uh, so, so I finished university uh, in 2016, and then I went traveling for three months. Uh, I had a job lined up when I came back, but I ended up getting sick and stuck in the hospital with, it's called dengue fever from mosquito. Anyways, blessing in disguise, missed my interview for the job that I had set up when I came back. So then was just kind of lost, not sure what to do. Had heard about uh, this RBC training grounds where you can go and um, just test your athletic ability, I guess against national sport standards and all the tests were done in Alberta but something inside of me was like you got to do it and so I had like no money after traveling and I was just like I gotta go so the last tryout was in Toronto and so I booked a flight flew to Toronto um, and did the testing and then I had to fly back again for the final testing um, but obviously it was all worth it and yeah I, uh, I didn't know much about it I just knew that um, a bunch of sport organizations um, were interested in it. And initially I was looking at like bobsled or um, rowing. Uh, but I, well, yeah, I wasn't a cyclist, so I didn't think cycling, but it all worked out. Have Which you, makes it even more wild that now you've got a world record under your belt as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty cool. <laughs> cool you, to say, for sure. Did you surprise yourself kind of at how quickly you picked it up and were able to get to such a high level in the sport? It's funny because uh, I I wouldn't ever say that I was a super skilled soccer player or a really talented basketball player, but I I was an athlete and I could run fast and I worked hard and that's exactly what I did on the bike. Like I was not good on the bike. Like I was just like you're supposed to be super arrow and tucked in, but my arms are completely straight. I'm like all over the place and just. But I was I was going fast. Like the power I was putting into the pedals was good, and so they're like, hey, she has potential, and then just fine tuning everything. Um, has worked out. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I was reading as we were prepping for this a little bit today. I read that the last time you kind of owned a bike was you're around 12 or something like that before this happened. Yeah, I hadn't owned a bike or really ridden a bike since then, um, except for maybe stationary, just because I couldn't run from like a rolled ankle from soccer or something. Man, that is that's, that's interesting wild. stuff. Um, <laughs> for those who might be listening and don't know a lot about this sport. What would be like the main differences between a bike that you are going to ride in an event and like your average street bike that you're going to see someone on? Like, what are some of the intricacies when you're picking up learning to ride this bike that are going to be different from just going to Canadian Tire and buying a bike? Yeah, you can do cool wheelies on both. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, the bike that I ride is a fixed gear. So that means as long as the bike is moving, the pedals are moving. Um, it's one gear, so whatever gear you put on that bike, you're stuck with. So um, if you put on a really big gear, it'll take a while to get going. But if you put on a small gear, you'll get it going, but be completely spun out, essentially. 
um, these bikes also do not have any brakes. So the way you slow down is just um, with air resistance, and then you can backpedal a bit as you're going around. Um, those are the main differences between like a regular bike you buy a Canadian Tire versus these ones. Uh, and then, yeah, these are meant for the velodrome, uh, which is the one here. I'm in Milton, Ontario, and it's like regulation size is 250 meters. Um, with a banking of about 43 degrees in the corners. Wow. Was it kind of was it kind of scary the first time you ripped around on one of those? Yeah, it was scary, but it was so uncomfortable. I was like not scared. I was just focused on how uncomfortable it was sitting on the bike seat. Like I had no padded uh, shorts that we wear now, but it was, and I just was not used to it. And I was riding it for the first time with these like three other guys who also did the RBC training ground. And they seemed fine, and I was just having a really hard time with that. <laughs> uh, as, as we mentioned, it's still early in your career, but it's been a successful run so far. We have uh, I, I was reading off your accomplishments on your uh, Olympic.ca bio. It seems like you've done a lot already, and you have. What's sort of the next goals for you? Like, where Obviously, an Olympic gold is the big one. Is, is there anything else in your career you still want to accomplish? Uh, there's lots I want to accomplish still. Um, I, 2019 was a crazy year. It was just like Pan Am Games, Pan Am Champs, then a World Cup season, then World. Everything was just getting bigger and bigger every race that I did. Um, and so, like, the next big thing is obviously the Olympics. But uh, I guess just it's an individual sport. And so, I really have to focus on um, myself as an athlete. And I just I know I have so much more to give. And it's just exciting to see how far I'll be able to go with the sport. Like, I want to break my own record or I want to go. Um, and like defend my title at Pan Am Games in the next few years or um, and then hopefully go to the Olympics and get on the podium and then defend that medal you know so it's just I just want to see how far I can go with the sport and I definitely don't think I'm at my max. In individual sport and you mentioned you played soccer throughout uh, university college how much different is the pressure heading into a big event when you're on the bike and it's just you and it's you know you directly impact your own result versus the pressure you might have felt, you know, in a soccer game where you're going in there with another, with a whole group kind of behind you. Like, what's that pressure? How how different is that pressure? That took a long time for me to uh, adjust. I always was team sports. I wasn't a fan of individual sports. Um, I liked having um, the shared pressure with 10 other people in the field. Um, if you mess up, someone's got your back. And so, yeah, going on the track, you have, your teammates and coaches in the pit but they're not on the track with you it's you against your opponent it's your best day against their best day it's the work that you put in versus the work they put in and it's just it it, now I'm like this is so sick like I love it it's such an adrenaline rush and like I get to see if all the work has paid off and like it's completely on me um but yeah you're taking on all that additional pressure like it's it's just on you so yeah and I'm kind of, I'm curious about too, with the sport, like you say, it is a very individual sport when it comes to your bike. Is that, is that your sole responsibility or is there a team of, you know, engineers and, and people that are really trying to fine tune it with you to try and make sure it's exactly what you need? Yeah. There's a bunch that like of little details, like the bike fit, um, the width of the handlebars, how high the seat is, what gear goes on um, is usually a discussion between like me and my coach, but then we have uh, mechanics that will worry about all that because it's very tricky to figure out like the right tension of the chain. And like, if you're worrying about that on race day, it's just too much. 
you talked a little bit earlier about just being a hard worker and that's what you like to do. Is there, do you have some inspiration for where that came from or is that just kind of an internal fire that kind of has always been burning? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up actually in Fort McMurray, Alberta. I lived there for 10 years and, um, there wasn't a lot, there are sports up there, but there wasn't a lot of depth. So I'd be um, either playing up in sports for soccer or playing against the guys. And so, they were always a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. And so I was always trying to prove myself. Um, and yeah, like I said, I was never the one dribbling around all the different players, but like I was on defense, like getting back, uh, working my ass off just to make up for my lack of skill in the sport. And so, yeah, I grew up just working really hard and just trying to give my best. Kelsey, we really appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, your story is obviously an incredible one. We look forward to keeping track and hopefully watching you bring home a gold at the Tokyo Games. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Last question I have before I let, we let you go, Kelsey. Yeah. Just It's been nine days now since you went stocked up on November 1st, discounted <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> which is really speaks to me on a core level. How much of that you got left? Uh, I think like a third of each uh, bag and box. Yeah, no, we've been going on. through it. I've been sharing though. This is I was just going to say the coach could be listening right now. We don't yeah. know. We don't want to get her in too much trouble. <laughs> uh, this this was great, Kelsey. Thanks for your time. Yes, thank thank you. you very much. Good luck. Thank you very much. Follow Oilers Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That will do it for episode 112 of Oilers Nation Radio. I'm Bag Milk. I'm here with Rick, Nation Dan, and Tyler Uremchuk. Thank you all for being here. As I do every week, I'm going to ask you to leave a review on the podcast for us. I will read them, even if they're bad, as I did today. And I also want to ask you to follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Owen Radio Podcast. Tell your friends about Oilers Nation Radio. Every Friday, we got a new episode. And I want to thank Sherwood Ford the Giant, SkipTheDishes.ca, Cornerstone Insurance and Codigo Tequila for making it all possible. I appreciate all of you and I appreciate you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.